I'm Dan Gregson. And I'm Mike Gregson. Welcome to Come Towards the Light, the podcast. Our goal is to find everyday people who are delightful. These people have attractive energy and a positive outlook on life. We want to know their stories and what makes them delightful. We will uncover the life experiences our guests have been through, which have enabled them to look at life in such an inspiring and delightful way. With the belief that to understand delight, one has to be acquainted with the dark. Is it possible that in our darkest hours, we are given a gift to find light, which leads to our greatest delights? Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's podcast, where we are interviewing Bailey Rockmore, Dan and I's cousin. The reason we wanted to talk to Bailey, she is currently battling glioblastoma brain cancer. And you know what? To me, she's kicking its butt. So I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Really pay attention to a couple things that I think are very important. Bailey talks about, about having a team, surrounding yourself with the right people, and also having faith. Faith is a huge part of our lives. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. So today, our guest is Bailey Rockmore. In the his house. In the his house. <laughs> Check it out. Bring it. Oh, that was so bad. Uh, no, <laughs> that was exactly what it was supposed to be. Um, so Bailey um, is a cousin of Dan and I's, mm-hmm. and um, we are so excited to have you on the podcast today. Um, Excited to be here. Yeah, you know, and, and and Bailey, I think Dan and I, as we kind of put, as we're starting this thing out, and, and as we put our list together, we really looked for people in our lives that we look at and we feel delighted by. So you're one of those people. And you're not fa- one of those people. Like you are the first you person the- that both of us thought of. Like <laughs> seriously, right. like, like the, you were the first name that came to both of our That's minds right. as we were thinking about this. That's right. Wow, and, thank and you. Major so we, compliment. Yeah, and so we reach out and and um, obviously there's we, we're excited to talk to you today because there's some things that are happening in your life. And, and so we want to talk to you about that, and we're really excited to do that. So anyway, why don't you go ahead, for anybody who's listening, why don't you go ahead and just tell us a little bit about yourself. So my name is Bailey Rockmore. Um, in I, his house. In the, his house. <laughs> I am 26 years old. I grew up basically here in Salt Lake City, Utah. Come from a family, very religious Christian family of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Have, I currently have a license in physical therapy assisting, and that's what I got my degree in, and I'm almost finished with my bachelor's so quick. So up here in July, I'll be done with that. It only took me eight years to finish a four-year degree. <laughs> where did you go to school? I went to Brigham Young University, Idaho, hey, all right. for the majority it's of it. It's cold up there. It is. Burr. Yeah, it's so cold, your nose hairs freeze, and I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> it reminds me of Cool Runnings. Remember that? <laughs> yes. His <laughs> hair's like frozen, right? That movie's amazing. Yeah. I have, see, I served a mission. LDS mission to the Kansas Wichita mission. I was there from 2013 to 2014. So a couple, about a year and a half, right? Yep. 18 yep. months. Nice. Um, loved it. A lot of good people out there in the Midwest. And I was diagnosed this past April, 2019 with a glioblastoma stage four, AKA brain cancer. Okay. Yowza. Yowza. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about a glioblastoma. They are a beast of a cancer they it's it's cancer. not a good diagnosis to get since it's in the brain it is impossible to get fully rid of even with surgery 
Um, we opted not to do the surgery because it actually doesn't affect whether you live or die in the end if you get it. The uh, surgery doesn't. The surgery does not, right. no. So we felt it better for if I was going to pass, then we wanted me to be me. So we didn't want to go to do that surgery. Yeah. Tell me what that, wh- while you're telling the story, tell me what that decision process looked like for you. So we... That's not an easy, that's no, not an easy thing not. to decide. No, it's not. And just so the audience knows, your father also had this and passed away. Kim. Kim. Wolsey Gregson. Wolsey Gregson, an amazing man. The man, the myth, yep, the legend. So true. Tough thing. Yep. So our family has already been through this yep. about, what was it, 10 years ago? Yeah, 2008. 2008, yep. Crazy. So, and he did get the surgery. And all of you said that after the surgery, he was just never the same person. Changed him. Yeah, and yep. that was even in a spot where the tumor shouldn't have affected his personality whatsoever. Yep. Yeah. Mine is directly where it should have. It would affect. My so you're talking frontal lobe. Frontal lobe. Well, no mm-hmm. kidding. So frontal lobe, mm-hmm. and that's your personality. I mean, mm-hmm. that literally. I've had a brain injury, mm-hmm. traumatic brain injury, and that yeah, is my. Fr- yeah, right. You can. T- <laughs> <laughs> you can tell. I mean, gosh. Uh, but you're nervous, right? You're. That's whoa! Yeah. Holy cow! Yeah. And so it's brain surgery. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. so and so you you guys decide. Nope, we're not going to do that. Yeah, that's actually kind of interesting how it worked out, actually, because the brain surgeon was on call when I got the biopsy done, and he told us, kind of going in, that he was was just going to get a piece of it, and that was going to be it. And it's just the way it worked out, it was so late at night. It was supposed to be at like 11 a.m. I didn't get the surgery until about 9.30 p.m. because it just all day, things kept getting, it kept getting pushed back. Oh. So by the time it was Stressful my turn, enough. exactly, exactly, really, yeah. yeah. Um, so when it was finally me up to bat, the surgery was going to be about ten, wasn't over till at least eleven. Mm-hmm. So there's just no way that he was going to do the surgery, because apparently, usually, what happens is when you get the diagnosis, they basically go and they take it out right then. Yeah. Because yep. yep. let's get it out while we have them open already, and that wasn't able to be my case. And so after that, we discussed as a family and I actually got in touch with a friend who she knows a man who's also a brain surgeon and he was the one that told me it doesn't affect whether you live or die yeah so it's kind of it's up kinda, to you kind of meant to be it really was. sounds like right it really the time, was. that whole mm-hmm. timing and everything wow that's mm-hmm. that's pretty amazing yeah no I completely agree and yeah. since then we've talked to multiple people that have had um, family members that have gotten that surgery done and it seems as though, because like I said before, it's impossible to get all of it because mm-hmm. it grows into the brain. And the cancer almost comes back with a vengeance after that. Because it's, it's a really smart cancer. Don't ask me how, but my doctors tell me that it has a way of disguising itself so that your body doesn't recognize that it shouldn't be there. Yeah. It completely covers up whatever those cells do. I'm not sure. But so mm-hmm. that... Not only is it some still left, but now it's going to fight to come back even is kind of what I've heard. So it affects who you are after the surgery and it doesn't guarantee anything. And usually when it comes back, it comes back hard. Yeah. So, and we have learned this as we've kind of gone. We just Mm. knew we didn't want me to change. And that was the main reason. And so we didn't. And I'm very grateful that we didn't because yeah, things have been going really good. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's talk about things have been going really good. What, what does that mean? So I have never gone into an MRI and seen my doctor after and had it grow, which is That's crazy. Incredible. That yeah. does not happen. For no, this type of cancer. For this type not, of not cancer. Yeah, yeah, no. In fact, every time I've gone in, it has shrunk. And uh, my doctors are happy if it just stays the same. Yeah. That they consider that a win. 
So the fact that I'm coming in and it's decreasing in size and mass every time, that's, that's a big deal. And that's exactly what I've gotten every time. So why has it shrunk? Why? Tell me why. Oh, <laughs> so many reasons. <laughs> right. So it's not just, it's not just happenstance, it right? Is not. I, I think it there's, is not. there's Bailey. At play from, here, yeah. Sure. I, there's more at play here. And, and I, you know, I want to hear, um, I want to hear you tell us the whys. I think I think there's yeah. a lot of power behind some of your whys as, as I've gotten to know you a little bit here in the last little, little while. So yeah, please. I would be happy to. Yeah. So my first reason why is because me and my parents, we have come together on this very securely. And especially in the beginning, we wanted to make sure whatever decision was made, it was a united front that all of us felt that that was the right answer to do. We kept, we were prayer the whole time, yeah. <laughs> the whole time yeah. going into the doctor's appointments. Then once we were in the doctor's appointments, it was pretty amazing actually how Heavenly Father was so good about not making it a hard thing for us to get to that point. Because I think personally, it's because our hearts were so humble and we were so willing to do whatever he wanted us to do. Yeah. And we had faith that if we did what he told us, we would be okay. Yeah. So prayer was definitely a big one. A united front, listening to the spirit was huge and relying on the promises that we were given my before my even my diagnosis when I just knew that I had masses in my head and they weren't sure what it was um, I was admitted into the ER so that way I could get into the hospital and can I pause right yes. there so how did you like ha and, and continue this thought after after you answer this real quick okay. how did you know to go in I was getting horrible headaches. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. so the headaches is what caused you to go in and that's when they found it was, yeah. and des describe that a little bit. Like what did, what did it feel like? It was pressure, right? It mainly? was, it was, um, it started off just as I, cause I've gotten headaches throughout my life. Um, and so this was fairly normal at the beginning. See, this was about January of 2019. I started mm -hmm. having to take ibuprofen, little more usual than I, a little more often than usual. Sure. And, uh, um, about March is when I started waking up at about 4 a.m., mm. having to take something just to function, one, to fall back asleep, and then also to be able to yeah. like function the rest of the day. Um, and then it became migraine pains, and I've never had a migraine. My family gets them mm -hmm. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's quite a few people in our family that get migraines. I have never gotten one. So the fact that this was happening, I was at the tail end of like the age spectrum of when you are going to start getting migraines if you're going to get them in your life. Sure. And so that was a little worrisome, but we were like, no, it's probably just migraine medication. So my mom started giving me some of her migraine medicine and it worked at first. And then after a little bit, it stopped working completely. And so I was, oh. yeah, on the couch in the dark, just pain, throwing up, trying to take pills, never had, it couldn't settle. So tossing those up and then just a vicious cycle until finally having to go in to the ER. And that's like that first time after I was like, I can't do this pain anymore is when I went to that ER and that's, they told, it's, they told me probably migraines, but mm -hmm. just because, you know, you're 25 and this is your first one, just in case it's kind of, they left it up to me. Like, do you want to go get an MRI or do you want me just to give you a shot sure. and then you'll be on your way? Sure. And I decided to go get the MRI, um, which is probably also the spirit kind sure. of ushering yeah. that way. <laughs> yeah. You kind of listen to, you know, that voice, right? I did. And the, it says, yeah. Hey, so, so go back to what you were saying, right? So mm -hmm. I kind of derailed you a little bit. So you had this, you had, you had this pressure, you found the, the lumps in your brain. Yep. Yep. I was also getting double vision and got really lightheaded as well, which I had no idea what to attribute that to. So, sure. but then it all made sense. Um, so we go in and, uh, me and my, my dad came with me and uh, we got the MRI scan 
And about halfway through the MRI, they pulled me out and they told me they needed to put contrasting fluid into my blood so they could see something better. And I knew right then, I'm like, well, that's not good because yeah. <laughs> you Just don't put something in there yeah. unless you have, there's something to see. They're yeah. looking at it again. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So put that in and then put me back in. And then after I came out of the machine, we were in that waiting room for a solid 30 minutes. And there was like a sign on the wall that says, if you've been waiting for more than 10, like contact someone because they might've forgotten you or whatever it was. So my dad did. He's like, so like, would we've been here for a while. What's going on? And the nurse told us the doctor's actively working on your scans right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. So that was just like a punch to the gut. Yeah. Um, then he came in and he told me that he has, he saw three lesions in my brain mm-hmm. and don't, don't know what they are. We'll have some thoughts of what they could be. And he reassured me, he's like, it's probably not cancer. And I think it's just because of my age. He wasn't thinking it was going to be brain cancer. So I was just kind of relying on that. I'm like, okay, so I don't know what this is, but it's not cancer, so <laughs> we're good. And kept going. So they, we got admitted into the ER that night at um, Intermountain Medical Center. And my father called Dan the man here and another man um, in the congregation to come and give me a blessing. And it was Dan who said it. And in the blessing, it stated twice that I would be healed. And... Um, just from especially my mission, but my life in general, I have learned that when God promises you something, you it's going to happen. Just act as if it's already happened. And so that was, we clung to that promise. Even to this day, it's still like right there for me. Um, it's just a lot easier to understand now than it was back then. Um, and I was very grateful that I got that blessing, especially before we knew the diagnosis, because sometimes knowledge can intervene faith. A lot of Absolutely. times knowledge can intervene faith. No question. And so before we knew anything that was going to happen, we knew that I would be okay. And we, we gripped that really tight. I love, <clears throat> I, I just have to say real quick, I love how you approach that whole idea of faith, right? Mm-hmm. And, and faith means so many things to so many different people, but it faith does. is faith, it right? Does. Whether you believe in God or not, mm-hmm. faith is faith. Mm-hmm. And for you, when you... With, with the knowledge you have and what you believe, um, a blessing, obviously it's given to you by somebody that's part of your faith that has what we call the priesthood, mm-hmm. the authority, and, and you act as if that blessing comes from Heavenly Father himself, right? So yes. that's great. Yeah. It really is. But you personally, for someone to say you'll be healed when you've got this beast that you've just been diagnosed with. Yeah. You're you for you to feel that spirit, that whispering to say I'm already going to believe that the miracle has already been given to me. And I think there's more there, there's more to that story and so we're going to talk about that a little bit. But I think there's a lesson in there for so many of us that are going through something difficult. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not even going to compare it to what you're going through. But but we all have our battles. We oh, all have completely. yeah right, and we mm-hmm. all struggle with so many different things. <clears throat> yeah. Going from super young to, to older in age, there's so many battles we go through in this life, and there's so to, to each of us, they're just as significant. Yeah. They're all monsters. We all have our monsters, right? It's true. It's true. And it's and interesting because you would never trade with someone else. Like right. you're looking at me and being right. like, I would never want to be in your position. I'm saying I think the exact same thing about you two and your lives. I'm like, nope. I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> I'll well, take my cancer. Is that just because of how I look, <laughs> Bailey? Come on. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean that that I love I love that attitude. And it, and I I want to adopt that myself because 
to act as if you already have the miracle. When you feel that spirit whisper to you, and and again, I, I do want to put this little caveat in here. If you don't believe in God, I, you, there's still a whispering. There's a voice there that you feel. It's a feeling. Some people believe it's an energy, right? Yeah. But when you feel that, we can have confidence in that. We can trust that, mm-hmm. and we can move forward mm-hmm. with that idea and with that thought. Now, now with what you believe in and you understand, you know that comes from God, and, and yeah. that's the Spirit whispering to you. So you took that, that, you took that thought, that idea, and you owned it, and yeah. you said, all right, let's do this thing. Not without moments of, there. of course, you know, there were definitely times where fear tried to, very successfully sometimes, tried to really get into my life, but it's... Faith is an everyday choice. Tell it's me about the fear. Because I, fear. like, I, yeah, like, like, so, so again, mm-hmm. <clears throat> come towards delight. Yeah. That's the name of our podcast. We want to find people that are delightful. But Dan and I know very well, especially from our own lives, that to come to delight, you have to pass through some dark. You, do. you have to. That's the only yeah. way you recognize it. Exactly. So fear, that's a, man, that's a hard thing. So, mm-hmm. so go, expound. <laughs> go um so fear it i'm very i don't know what the proper word is here i don't want to say lucky but probably blessed that it's just not my first go-to when it comes to most things anxiety has is always kind of you know it's in everyone's lives Mm -hmm. it's a thing um but it's never been something that has ever overwhelmed me and i'm very grateful for that especially now but in the times that it was trying really hard and then i had another time recently where it same thing again um, it is horrifying. It's, it's just this idea of what could happen, even though I knew in my heart and in my spirit and my soul that I was going to be okay. There was, you know, always you get put up against opposition and however you believe the adversary to be, I believe him to be a real actual being. And he loves to kick you when you're down and he loves to see any moments of weakness and expound on that as much as he can for as long as he can. And the first time that I really, really got scared, when it was really just my faith, it wasn't my parents backing me up or saying what they were thinking or um, I didn't have like my my army at that moment surrounding me, was when I was on a phone call with some, it just was kind of random the way it worked out, but I was talking to a woman and she had just gotten some diagnosis of some sort of something. I don't even know what it was. It was not cancer. It was, she just had to take a pill for like a few months to a few years and she would, she'd be fine. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a big thing at all. But, um, I told her as I was on the phone that I believed I was believed I was going to be healed and I just knew it was going to happen. And I just put my faith in that. We're going to move forward with it. And I told her about the blessing and she came back and looked, she, uh, I was on the phone. So she kind of paused and then she said, you know, healing can mean a lot of things. And that was the first moment where it was just me and I was faced with basically this this position now and I could almost hear in my head. Because you took that, I mean, when, when you heard that, yeah. what was the fear that came? It was this, this moment of what if this is God telling me that, you know what, don't believe, you know, this could go the other way. Like it was in the back of my head. I'm like, okay, what? Because <laughs> I've always yeah. been like, no, we're going to be fine. And then this other thought came in, which I'd never had, was this could be God saying, nope, this isn't going to happen the way you think it's going to happen. And I I hadn't had that. And that's kind of, and this woman, she's a really good lady. She's a faithful woman. And so I was like, why would I, and it was the way I got into contact with her was just so strange. It's like, why would I be put in this path with this lady if this wasn't something I was supposed to hear? 
is kind of how the fear kind of came in and this idea of, okay, maybe this is God saying, just kidding, don't believe that blessing, I'm just trying to warn you, kind of something. And in that moment, I had to decide for myself, do I actually believe what I've been saying to everyone and what I've been telling my parents and my friends, or am I going to let this go the other, other way? Am I actually not fully behind it? And I had to make that decision, and I decided faith. Um, that I was going to be okay. And that whoever this woman was, she, her path is not my path. Her faith is not my faith. And what she has to say has nothing to do with my life. This yeah. is up to me. And, and yeah, that was the first one and little things have happened since then, but that was the first time really scary for me where I had to actually look at myself and say, do I really believe what I'm saying? A couple things on that. I, the self-confidence I mean, I mean, that, like that's that that's that moment where you look at yourself and you're like, "All right, Bailey, yeah, who am I? What yeah. do I believe? What do I feel?" Yeah. And no matter you know whether it's cancer or whether it's you know for me whether it's mm-hmm. in the middle of my darkest hour or or whatever it is for whoever it is, we all have those moments in life. And and I, and and they're what divine. A, actually. Yeah, we that, we have to have them. Right. Mm-hmm. That's it. And and when, once you made that choice. To like, no, I felt this, I believe this, this is who I am. What did that do to you? It just made it that much easier to do it again, I think. It was whenever that that next moment, whenever it was going to be, I could go back to that first moment and I could go back to what I know. And it's amazing because when you say something, you can feel it's true. And, but you have to say it first to and, feel that it's and true. And that moment, what you're saying, that moment is when that fear comes back because mm-hmm. it will. It will. Then, because you've made that choice, mm-hmm. it's easier to make. It is. And then when you state the truth again, you feel that that is true, and then you can do it again. And it's just a daily thing. You found yourself. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> God is good. Yeah, totally. Um <laughs> So, um, I think, I think that said, I, I, I kind of want to go down the path. You, you talked a little bit about we, and you said army Yeah. and, and I've, and you know, I, Dan and I have talked to you before and, and that comes up a lot, that we idea. Mm-hmm. And I love that idea. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> so it, what I've come to understand about that from you is that, that once you're vulnerable and you open up your heart, yeah. you, you look to those people that want to understand you, that want to know where you're at. They want to, they want to help you, not just like ask, Hey, what can I do for you? Yeah. But they want to be in the battle with you. Right. And and to get there, you've got to be vulnerable. You've got to let people know how you're feeling. You've got to talk to people and be real with people. Yeah. And once you do that, then all of a sudden it's not just you in the fight anymore. No. Right. So, so explain how that, changed for you and and at what point did all of a sudden instead of this becoming bailey's biggest battle <laughs> did it become bailey and her army yeah and this is we're marching into battle and we're going to fight this thing so also in that initial blessing it stated that i had an army behind me and that's pretty cool yeah, was, that word was, was amazing. specifically used that's mm-hmm. amazing it was and when that was said i felt it resound in my heart so fully and my mother and my father have been diving deep into family history just months before. Actually, no, I guess my mom's been working on a few years, but pretty recently. And so the power of family history was very much in their minds and also in mine, just family in general. 
And so hearing the word army, um, we kept hearing that multiple times, even after just by different people, not even by us, other people coming up to us. Yeah. And it was just this consistent word that kept happening. So what started my army at first was just me and my parents. And then it became the Gregsons, which is my mother's maiden name and your guys, your last name. Um, I don't know if you want people to know that. Maybe it's yeah, <laughs> totally okay. good. With that. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> um, the Gregson family became my army and then it continued the Rockmore. My last name is Rockmore. The Rockmores became my army. They became your rock. <laughs> See, exactly. Yeah. yeah, for sure. <laughs> the, my family on the other side and you guys asked me to bring something that meant a lot to me throughout this whole, and this yeah. is this picture. I know I've seen it before. It's a very popular I don't know. I don't think it was an LDS artist who did. I'm not really sure, but it's a picture of a woman and uh, behind her are all of these angels and they're all touching each other and then touching her. And I loved Mm -hmm. it a lot because one one of the hands, one of the hands is specifically, sorry, one second, um, on her head. And that's um, even on the right side of her head, which is right where my tumor is. And so that in and of itself, this kind of, I got this pretty quick after my diagnosis and it just touched my heart so much. And every time I see it, it's just a reminder of who's actually behind me. That army, yeah. Um, and then from that, my father, that next fast and testimony meeting in our church, um, he got up and he told the ward exactly what had happened. And he asked for their faith in their prayers. And he poured his soul to everyone in that congregation and stated, I can't do this myself. I need the Savior because I can literally do nothing for her right now. Mm-hmm. He's... He, she's in his hands and he asked for their, their prayers and everyone replied. But, but, but not only their prayers, but like he was specific. He said something there. to the effect you of, you know, we're asking for this miracle. We're not, mm. we're not asking for you to pray that this is easy for us or that we can make it through it, mm. but that we are asking for a miracle. Awesome. Yep. Yep. Definitely. And so then it became the congregation of the church and I stood up in my own congregation. Um, how many now explain real quick. Cause there's gonna be people that listen to this that yeah. aren't remember your faith. So yeah. how many people are in a congregation for my personal congregation? It's about 300 plus okay. people. And I'm so in a young adult. You're standing up, you're being super vulnerable and you're, yeah. you're asking people in front of hundreds of people. Yeah. yeah, I am. I was, and it was terrifying. And honestly, that standing up in front of that audience and s- stating what I had had happened um, was the first time I actually really cried about it. No kidding. Yeah. It, it would just, it was really, I, I wasn't expecting to just all of a sudden break into tears, but it happened. And then I think, you know, sometimes in your life you have a pedestal for people to look to you for, or you just kind of get attention just because of your life circumstances. And I'm, I am and definitely was in that circumstance. And it was so cool the um the response that came i also in my testimony straight up asked if you have the faith to pray for a miracle i would ask you to do so because Mm -hmm. we want a miracle i want to live i don't want to die from this i want a miracle pray with me and you've had the feeling you've had and exactly and so you can easily say i can say let's do this yeah yeah guys be a part of this with me one one of the things that i remember you saying is like even if you don't have the faith in the miracle let me have the faith for you and you just you know that's awesome Mm -hmm. yeah that's That's true yeah i totally forgot i said that yes that is true i did that 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 did happen that's amazing Um, so so cancer like extreme illness any like all of these things are very can be very lonely things 
yeah. because it's you up against this thing, right? Mm -hmm. And you're the one that has to do the fighting. You're the one that, that has this thing in your body. Yeah. It's your body that has to do the fighting. Yeah. A lot of people kind of go internal and, mm -hmm. um, and make this a lonely process. Uh, as you talk about this, you talk about it, it all comes back to Army and we and my team. And w how were you able to keep it from becoming such a lonely process? Were there times where it was lonely? And then how did you work through that? It was lonely sometimes because, you know, at the end of the day, I'm left with my own thoughts as, mm -hmm. you know, I lay in bed and I have to think about everything that's happening. That's the hardest place to be. <laughs> it <Yeah>. really is. <laughs> it really is. And it's honestly pretty terrifying to ask for people to pray for a miracle because if you don't get one, I mean, everyone sees. And I don't know if it's our pride. I don't know if it's just the adversary trying to make us feel worse about it. But if that miracle doesn't happen, then you're just kind of faced with, well, what the heck? What, what, yeah. what happened? Um, and then you have to face everybody else after that. So I think not allowing it to be a just a purely personal thing by, because this was all really fast. I was diagnosed April yeah. 4th and within it was fast. two weeks, was two, three weeks was when that next meeting was where my father stood up and I stood up. So it was within the month that we told everybody about it. And again, it's just faith. You have to choose it. It's not something that's just going to happen. Um, and we were choosing to not only put our own faith into this miracle, but to allow other people to put their faith into it as well. And what a power we got back from that. And I can, I know without a doubt in my heart that the, a lot of the reason why I'm living through this is because of the faith of others. But what I really had to do was I had to pray. That's kind of what it came down to. I had no peace. I, and it's even that sometimes I've had to learn that that peace that you want so desperately sometimes isn't there. I don't know if it's just because we're so anxious that we can't feel it or if it's just the circumstance in general. If Heavenly Father just really wants us to use our faith in that moment without getting the like automatic response, if it's some sort of test. But there were specific times where I wanted so desperately for peace or for this to be gone or for whatever I was going through, through this journey to just be done. And mm -hmm. so I can move forward and it, it wasn't happening. Um, you just have to remember what you had felt before and what you had been promised and hold on to that until that peace comes again. It's a choice. It is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just want to open this door for a second because, um, I, I've heard a story from Dan about this whole experience that I think I, I just kind of feel like it needs to be shared while we're here. And you'll know this because I think Dan's actually told you this before. Um, when when our dad got diagnosed with brain cancer, um, Dan gave him a blessing, right? Mm -hmm. So again, a blessing. Um, in our faith, we know that uh, we, we believe that you're given the authority of God and, and, and that that allows you to act in his name and, and based on the spirit and impressions that you feel you, it, it's like a, it's like a prayer times a million, right? So, yeah, yeah. um, anyway, Dan, um, gave a blessing to our father. So m my dad had been diagnosed with, uh, the same thing, a glioblastoma, and he'd received a number of blessings from my uncle, from my grandfather, a couple guys who were, you know, about as seasoned in, in the church and, and mature in their relationship with their Heavenly Father as, as I've ever met. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, 
we hung on to those blessings just like you did with yours. You know, and, yeah. and in their blessings, they did bless him that he would be healed. And so, you know, we didn't really know anything else at the time. So it's like, yeah, okay, we'll cling to that. Yeah. Of, of course, that's, that's what we're going to believe. Yeah. And so a little bit after dad had ha- already had his brain surgery, um, he called me one day when he was really struggling. Um, he just wasn't feeling good really struggling with the chemo yeah. and, and needed some reassurance. And he, he called and asked if I could come over and give him a blessing. And so just kind of personally, like blessings to me were always so powerful, especially with my dad, because he had these huge hands. <laughs> and he put, them on, he put them on my head, both of them just right rest them on on my head and he put his full weight he just let his arms you know let that full weight on top of my head and i remember as a kid like i i I can so vividly picture how i felt when he had his hands on my head it was just such a warm comforting feeling everything's gonna be okay Yeah. yeah you know like there's this big man who is telling me you know something that's important and I feel that everything's going to be okay because I'm literally in his hands Uh, and I always thought that you know I always felt so safe like that and so when my dad asked me to give him a blessing I was really excited because I hadn't ever done that before Um, and so I was kind of looking forward to that opportunity to um, return the favor and So I drove up to his house and I parked on the side of the road and I sat in my car for about five minutes and I was just pleading with my heavenly father like, okay, there are men who have been in this position with my dad who have blessed him that he will be healed. I want so badly to be able to say that same thing. I want so badly to bless him that he will be healed. Um, and I kind of like that was one of the times where I was like literally, well, figuratively, <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> literally, but figuratively wrestling with God. Um, you know, like I really wanted this. Um, and I could tell by the, you know, after a few minutes, like it just like it wasn't going to happen. And I was just kind of sad. And so I got out of the car and I was just really slowly walked up to the front door because I was just like, okay, come on. Like, I want to feel that this is going to be okay. I want to feel yeah. like this is something I can say. And so, get on my side, yeah. God, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, exactly. I'm feeling this, so come on. So get on over here. Yeah. So anyway, so I get in and I'm talking to him for a little bit. And, and usually when I'm getting ready to give someone a blessing, I want to talk to him for, you know, a little bit, kind of get a feel for where they're at. Um, and as I was talking to him, I could just, I just knew that that, that wasn't, what God wanted me to tell him in that blessing. And so I put my hands on his head and said a bunch of stuff, but wasn't ever able to come out and say, this is something you're going to be healed from. And, um, and so when Bailey, when your dad called me, um, this is 11 years later, uh, and asked me to come down to the hospital to give you a blessing. And I walked into the hospital and your dad was kind of telling me what was going on. I knew immediately, I knew, I knew that you had a glioblastoma. I just knew. 
just felt Everybody it. knew that but me. My brother and my sister yeah. both like, we knew you had brain cancer the second yeah, I was like, what? I absolutely <laughs> you get a feeling. Yeah. I absolutely knew. Yeah. And I saw the look on your mom's face when I walked in the door, or walked in the, <laughs> not the door, but the, the, the part of the curtains. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I saw the doctor's face when he came in and talked to you, and it just confirmed my fears mm-hmm. that that's what this was. And... So your dad turned to me and asked, no, your, my, your dad turned to you and asked who you wanted to give the blessing. And you looked at me and you said, I want Dan. And I was like, ah, man, <laughs> <laughs> here we go. So I kind of said in my head, like right before I put my hands on your head, I, I, I just told myself, all right, keep it nice and general. You know, like th- this is these blessings, especially at the beginning are, are just so important for the family. Um, just, just stay general just you know you 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 I, I and i did have a few of those things that i did actually say in the blessing at that point kind of start formulating in my mind like that idea of an army yeah surrounding you and like i did kind of feel that before i um i put my hands on your head but so i put my hands on your head and start giving the blessing the first words out of my mouth are i bless you that you will be healed and i remember immediately being so mad at myself like <laughs> what did you just do <laughs> Um, because I did not want to give any kind of false sense of hope, you know, and, and I, and I can't explain it. I can't, um, but you guys took those words and held on to them like like they were you know like a like some kind of life support or lifesaver or something like you just hung on to those words and you never let go not once and you just knew you and your mom and your dad you just knew that everything was going to be okay and and there were there were times after that there were a few days quite a few days actually after that where i still almost felt bad about what I said. And a lot of that is because of the experience that I had with my dad. Um, You know, as you grow and you you go through a number of different things, sometimes you're able to, um, sometimes you just get a second shot at things. And this was kind of a second shot for me. And I, again, I still can't explain what happened other than because of the power of your faith, the, the strength that you have, the rock that you are, like it, it, it's, it's worked. The, the, there's, <clears throat> there's a lot more to that story too. Um, so Dan, after kind of going through this, mm-hmm. um, he opened up to our family and told us that what happened after that, I mean, you go back to Bailey, I think back to what you said earlier, um, as as we've been talking and you said, I felt it. I know where it came from. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's exactly right. Right. Mm -hmm. You knew it came from God. Yeah. And, and you, and that's why you held on to it because you knew the source spoke to you. Mm-hmm. You knew the source. Mm-hmm. So what that did, so I want, I want you to, this is what, this is one of the reasons why you are so dang delightful to me. 
is I want you to know that you're changing lives. Absolutely. So Dan, because of this, and, he, and because of what he saw in you, in your reaction, and your family, he then starts to have this new understanding of what it truly means to have faith. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, so he starts talking to our family and he's like, I have never seen anything like the Rockmores Bailey and her mom and her dad ever, never. And, and, and Dan, I I want you to expound. I I don't need to tell the story. Like it just briefly, just kind of, just kind of say like what you saw in Bailey. And I think this is such a, it's, this is, this is what it's all about to me. Like, this is phenomenal. Your wife, Alicia was asked to give a talk in, in, or not a, to teach a lesson in her, in her own church. Um, and the lesson that she was supposed to give was, I don't remember what it was supposed to be about. It was on, it was on the priesthood, something to do with the priesthood priesthood or faith or something like that. And, And she was like, guys, she just sent out a text to all of us. Like all of the siblings, all of the great vulnerability siblings, here, siblings, right? Yeah. And she just said, "Guys, I don't know what I'm going to talk about here. I don't really feel comfortable talking about this stuff. Does anyone have any ideas or That's does right. anything come to mind? That's right. Um, about you know something that I could talk about because I'm struggling to come up with anything. And and as soon as she sent that, I um, I thought immediately of Bailey because there has been no greater show of faith." that I have ever seen in my whole life greater than what Bailey has, has shown her and her parents. It's been the most, it, it's incredibly strong. It's, um, it's miraculous. I, I would not have believed it, believed it if I hadn't seen it. As far as, you know, faith goes, like there has been no greater example to me than Bailey and her family. And so I kind of told the story of, okay, here's what happened with my dad, when he needed a blessing and I, you know, wanted to do this thing, but wasn't able to, and then have it come back for full circle to being asked to give Bailey a blessing and being able to say those things and not even believe them myself because I wasn't going to say them, but have them spill from my mouth. And I know that that wasn't me because I had firmed in my mind that I wasn't going to say those things. And just being able to have, having that opportunity to have that come full circle in my life was incredibly powerful to me because, um, you know, I'd gotten to a point where I, I, I wasn't, ever ready to ask for a miracle that I don't know. It's not so much that I didn't believe miracles could happen, but that it would be more forceful if, if it were to happen and that it wouldn't be through me, Mm. not that it was or whatever, but because anybody would have done that, you know, it doesn't matter who it is. Mm. So what I get from that is we all have a story. We all have a choice to make, right? Kind of going back to what you said earlier, we've got a choice to make. We do. And when we make our choice, we don't just affect ourselves, but we affect so many. Mm-hmm. So how have you, with the choice that you've made and the we, the team that you've got created, what have you seen happen since you've made that choice to just, hey, you know, this is who I am. This is what I know. And, and you're either on my side or you're not. Yeah. 
kind of like a little bubble, right? Exactly. Right. <laughs> so, so tell me about that a little bit. Yeah. So when this all first happened, um, me and my mom and dad, we just kind of, we called it our faith bubble. We was like, don't, if you're going to come, don't pop this. Yeah. Like, if you're <laughs> not going to have our faith in this miracle, then please don't come too near because we're just hanging on for all that we have. And, uh, um, there's a lot of noise around you too. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So many people love to tell you that if you do this, you can't, this is proven to get rid of cancer and this has been proven that you should do this and this and this and 10,000 different people coming up and saying, try this. Um, it's very overwhelming. And we basically had to just tune a lot of it out and just go with what we felt was good. If there was something that just kind of struck us different when we heard it, or if it just felt, or again, if we were all unified and saying this felt right. And we all said, yes, then we would move forward with that. Um, but yeah, no, we just came together. I think back to my life yeah, and at the darkest times in my life, I didn't create a faith bubble because mm-hmm. I didn't have any myself. I, I, mm-hmm. I'd gotten to the point where I gave up on me yeah, and I didn't believe in me anymore. But what is amazing about you is you felt that, right? You 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 said you felt yeah. it in your heart. You felt like you got the answer. Yeah. And that's what you were going to do. Yeah, I it, it completely. Um, it's again we went we went by our feeling, went by our spirit, by our soul, whatever you want to call it, and we felt that that was true, so we went with it. But I think it is important to say that miracles, the ones we want, don't always happen as has been shown here just with Dan and his story and your father. Um, but what I have learned through all this is everyone's on their own journey. They're on their own That's path. Right. And you believe in the miracle until you are told otherwise. That's right. Is how I feel about it. Until Heavenly Father, the Spirit, whatever you want to call it, you feel that this isn't going to happen. You put your faith behind it. Well, and what is there to lose, really? Exactly. You know? What is, what there, is to there to lose, to lose in having exercising faith? faith. Yeah. It is painful. I will give you that. It hurts when you don't get what you want, when it's such a righteous desire, when it's someone you love, when it's something you want so bad. There is a lot of pain that comes when you don't get that miracle. Yeah, but no question. There are so many more moments of tenderness. So it is important to state that sometimes you don't get that miracle that you want so badly. And there's a lot of pain that comes when you don't get that miracle that you're putting your whole heart behind, you're putting all your faith behind, all the faith of those you love, that you know they have outstanding faith, even if you don't know about your own. And then you get the feeling that it's not going to happen. But you still need to do that until you are feeling that this isn't going to happen. And as you do, there's so much more tenderness to be seen if you do that if you automatically turn away from it and say i don't want to pray for this because i'm too scared because i don't know if it's going to happen um then you're turning away from god from the get-go and that's not where you want to be in a moment when you're asking for a miracle you want him right by your side and i know that he will bring it to your attention as and when you need it if this isn't going to happen and if it is going to happen even if he doesn't tell you straight up like he told me that this is going to happen, you still pray and put your faith behind that miracle until you get the answer that he has to give you. You act as if you've received as it already. As if you've already received it. Right? It's your story. And I I think that's a really important point you brought up is we all have a different story, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And it's so, it gosh, those times in our lives where we ask, why? Yeah. Why me? Yeah. Why now? Mm-hmm. Why this? Why not everybody else? And why me? <laughs> I yeah. mean, right? I mm-hmm. mean, it, and, and it happens to us all. It 
And when we live in that moment of why, it is so hard uh, and it is so dark. Talk about ripping your heart apart. Right? Yeah, definitely. So how, do, you, how, do, we, how do we move from the why moments? Because Bailey, I know you've had the why moments. Mm-hmm. So how do we move? How do we, how do we press on even in those dark whys? So I would invite anyone listening to this to just not even be concerned with it. I, my faith and what I know is everything we go through is for a very divine purpose. And if you don't believe that, trust me, because I honestly know that to my very deepest part of my core, that there is so much more behind every heartbreak than we will ever know in this life. And when you just have that as an understanding, then it doesn't matter why, because I know why. I need to go through this to build myself up. And with that, then you go right back to what you want to become through it. It's like, I don't, I don't know the specifics as to why, but I know that this is important. So what, who do I want to become with this? Because it's going to be a part of my life. The end, period. Yeah. You know what? This is happening. Yeah. I can't reverse this no matter how hard I try. Um, so what am I going to do with it? And that's not an unheard thing. You know, it's not the circumstance. It's your attitude. Sure. Kind of, you know, hear that all the time, but it's so true. And it really is up to you. It's completely your choice. It's what you decide is going to happen from it. And then you just push forward. And that's what I've had to do. It's like I really, now I'm closer to the end of this journey. I'm still not, tumor's still there, but it's significantly smaller and things awesome. are happening and it's, it's amazing. Um, but I just kept going. And once you keep going, it's easier to keep going. And then, you know, when those dark moments come again, you just have to go back to what you remember. Even if the piece isn't right there, even if you're not as sure as you were in this other moment, you go back to that moment and you say, okay, that was what I felt so I can hang on to that now. And what do I, what am I going to do right now? Am I going to crumble? Am I going to cry? And sometimes that's what you need to do. Yeah. And that's fine. Those feelings are there for a reason. They need to be felt. Don't just deny them until you're a broken soul after all of it's done. Um, let yourself feel, let yourself hurt and then keep going. So one of the things you just said is, you know, you have this cancer thing. Well, what are you going to do with it? So what have you done with it? Like what, what has cancer now been to you? What has this process done for you? What have you done with this process? How mm-hmm. have you grown? Mm-hmm. So much. <laughs> um, so something I, I'm glad you asked me that because there was something I wanted to bring up. When this all first happened, um, a lot, you know, all that information was coming in. And something that really resounded with me was this mind-body connection that people can have and yeah. can become really strong with. And uh, so, you know, I saw a couple of documentaries on it. I listened to several different, you know, like podcasts and things like that where it talked about that specifically. And uh, what I came to realize from listening to these things and just my own deduction of them was most chronic diseases and cancer is considered a chronic disease medical field can't do much about they kind of might have some sort of medication or ointment or something to bring down the inflammation but when your body is that inflamed for that long they really don't know what to do about it and uh, um, there's a lot of science behind the fact that you know inflammation comes from cortisol cortisol is built up when your body is in this fight or flight mode and when you're in that consistently for a long period of time it builds up in your weakest parts. And so that's why people have chronic back pain or knee pain or they have ulcers, ulcers, all sorts of fun things that can be just about anywhere in the body. And so I had to look at myself and 
um, come to the conclusion of, okay, what am I doing that's causing my body to be in this state all the time? And uh, I realized for me personally, I needed to become, I needed to heal the way I saw my body Mm. in this world that we live in social media. And then just, I'm single and I'm, you know, dating and marriage and something, you know, is on my mind is a lot of comparison and there's a lot of pain when you don't. And I feel like everyone doesn't feel like they should look, they look like what they want to look like. But I I know that I was overweight, not horribly, but enough that it really affected my self-esteem my whole life. And, uh, um, it was, my body was always my enemy. It was always something that was, it was its fault. I hated it. I couldn't stand to look at myself. I never wanted a picture taken. I never wanted, um, if anyone ever showed interest in me, it was a horrible thing. And I was repulsed by the idea of physical touch or anything. It just got so mm-hmm. bad that I couldn't even imagine being in a relationship or having anyone be interested. And if they were, there was something wrong with them. Yeah. And I know I'm not the only girl that feels that way. Sure. And the only person that feels yeah, that way. Yeah, there you go. Um, and uh, it that came to me. I know it was the spirit. I know it was my Heavenly Father that allowed me to have that thought process start. And then when I had that thought, I used it. And I said, okay, so I need to stop hating myself and build this mind-body connection um, as much as I can. And so... As I've been going through this, I've been doing some medical things, but also quite a few holistic things. And something that I tried out was acupuncture. And I actually really appreciated it. Um, Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as bad as it sounds, actually. It was, it was for me, it was, I, I really enjoyed it. Mostly because I think, you know, there's a lot of, um, a lot of goodness, in fact, in Eastern medicine and things like that. You know, sure. this has been around for so long. Sure. It's yeah. got to be doing something. And, uh, um, it became a time of meditation for me because mm-hmm. the acupuncturist, he puts the needles in where they need to go. And then they just let you be like lay on the table for I don't know, somewhere between 30 and 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so I would use that time to just meditate. Nothing and like meditation with a bunch of needles in you. <laughs> sounds sounds <laughs> ideal to me. Can you, can you imagine a better way to relax? Oh, no, not at all. Oh. Yeah, I'll try that one like the last thing I do. Anyway. That's fair. That's fair. Teach their own. Yeah. Um, and so I would be in the office and I would be laying on the table. And um, in my mind, I would just talk to my, my body. And I would put in my head, imagining my brain and the tumor itself and just picturing it to get smaller and smaller and smaller until it was gone. And I just kind of went through it. envisioning it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And just talking to my body and telling it, you know, you're smarter than this tumor. You're better than this tumor. That's we awesome. can defeat this. And I need you. And I remember that happened several times. And then it was probably a little over, I probably had about 10 sessions. And uh, it was so I've been doing that for a while. Wow. And then I was on again, I was back one of those one of those days. And I remember just putting my hands on my heart as I'm laying on this table with all these needles in me and just sobbing and just apologizing to my body for what I had done to it for all of this time. Just okay. the pain and the anger I had towards it and just telling it I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I am so sorry wow. and just tears were running down my face and I could just feel this connection with it all of a sudden. And, um, and it's quite interesting. My aunt, my, on the other side of my family, the Rockmore side, she sent me a text. She has a lot of chronic pain in her knees and in her feet and, and a lot of joints. And she's always kind of hard to had a hard time physically. And she sent me, um, a text about how she had recognized the power of touch with just herself. 
uh, she would touch her joints and just ask it to stop Talk. hurting. And she did that Talk and the pain would body. be gone. And it, she, and she was just amazed. Mm. She's like, I felt like I had that experience so I could share that with you. And it was right after that moment I had with my body that I got that text and it just kind of, or it was right before it was right around it. I can't mm. remember exactly when, but it just emphasized this idea that I need to look at the real problems in my life, not just what's showing itself physically, but what's actually going on. And that was one of them. And ever since then, it's been a constant battle to keep that mindset, to remember that my body is my best friend, that it is what has given me every experience I've ever had. It has only done what it's been asked. And honestly, my body is, I I call it perfect now. It is perfect. That is awesome. And I love it. And, um, because of that, so much internal healing has happened. And I do believe that's another big reason as to why this tumor is leaving me is because the reason behind it is starting to go away as well. That's amazing. Yeah, it is because, so I have my own issues with my health. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have ulcers all throughout my body mm-hmm. and it's been the hardest thing I've ever had to go to go through. Mm-hmm. And uh, I so many times I look at my body like it's a cage like it holds me back yeah. like it doesn't allow me to be free yeah. um you know and and there are certainly times where i have felt like man if i could leave my body i would be better off because yeah. it is not in good shape and what a mindset change it is to instead of going it from that place of my soul against my body but taking those two and turning them into something that, that works together where you are, where I'm grateful for my body, where I'm grateful for the, the experience that it experiences it has given me both the good and the bad, but to accept it and, and to not think of it as a cage anymore. Like that, that's, that to me sounds so appealing and I want to get to that point. Yeah. Um, and, and I can see how healing that would be if I were to act in that way. So I, I definitely need to do that. That's a, I, I think <clears throat> there's, there's a lot of lessons behind what you're saying right now. You, you kind of mentioned that God has almost given you this is a, is a blessing. Yes. That sounds <laughs> <laughs> like a yes. big questions mark out for question marks after that. right? But, and we'll, we'll talk more about that in a second, but when you said is is this thing came into your life and you've got a choice to make and and you're making your choice this is your life mm-hmm. you get to decide who you're going to be through this thing yeah. and this is what you're choosing to do is you're choosing to look at this thing I, I i think what's interesting is doctors aren't perfect nope they go to school they learn yep. a ton and and gosh i respect that oh, yeah. love that oh, and yeah. and i'll take your advice how grateful i am for everything that they've been able to do right with the medical field right so much mm-hmm. But they're not perfect, and they don't know everything. And yeah. so hold on a second. But here you are with cancer. Yeah. You're talking to your body. You're yeah. telling your body how much you love it. You've had a bad relationship with your body. Yeah. The cancer, every single time you've gone in for an MRI since, has shrunk. Yes. So maybe I'm an, I'm an alcoholic back in my past. Mm-hmm. I've been an alcoholic, and I was not able – well – not able to really stop and and yeah. got to a point in my life where I wanted to end my life literally yeah. and I think this is something that has a lot of weight to it where when you can talk to your body and and you can start to recognize your spirit and your body as as really needing to come together 
and showing your body love and starting to treat it like you love it and taking care of it and talking to it. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of power in that. And I think there's a lot of beauty in that. There really is. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a, I think it's a a tenderness towards yourself Mm -hmm. that we don't allow ourselves a lot. That's very true. A Um, lot of self-hatred. There is. Yeah. Well, you, you, you think about how you would act if you were to be a caretaker of, a family member or something like in, and the way that you would treat that person would be very kind. You'd be very gentle. Yes. You would be very loving, very forgiving, very forgiving. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. And why, why we don't afford ourselves that own tenderness and kindness and love it's true. to our own body when we're going through those things. I think that there's so much like that. Just there's something in me that like, that that just connects with like I want that so bad for yeah. me and my body. I want to love my body. Yeah, babe, you're delightful. Yeah, <laughs> you know absolutely. that. Thanks, guys. So I there's something that's been on my mind as we've been talking, and I've I've been focused a lot on empathy lately. I love empathy. Mm-hmm. I think I want to be more empathetic. It's that's kind of the reason why we're here. It's such a beautiful yeah. word, right? Mm-hmm. Love, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, it all is rooted in love. Yeah. And empathy, I don't know if there's a greater way to show show love than empathy and charity, right? Yeah. So tell me, like, I want to know from someone who's never experienced cancer. Um, and I never had this conversation with my father. But I, I want to know, um, for those of us who know somebody. Which is almost everyone. Right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, wh- and whether it's cancer yeah. or whether it's Some other horrible, an addiction or whether yeah. it is, yeah. you know... Whatever it may be, yeah, everyone's got their dark hours, right? So, so I can you give me an example? Like, like, does it help when someone comes up to you and says, "Hey, how can I help you?" Or is it better if we come up to you and we help you? What what ways has empathy been shown to you that have really made a difference and touched you in your heart and in your mind? And and feel free to like use examples if you have any and names. Mm-hmm. My gosh. Okay. Um, so this is from my own personal standpoint and I can't speak for everybody, but, um, me personally, I was always very appreciative when people would ask me how things are going. Um, and there were specific people that would not ask me, like, they'd just be like, how are you? Like just in life. And they'd ask me something specific about work or school because they didn't, they wanted me to know that I wasn't just cancer to them. And I appreciated that as well. How are you today? How are your treatments? Yeah. It's more like, how's work yeah, or how's exactly. school or yeah. whatever, mm-hmm. right? Just whatever else is happening. And um, both of those are fine with me because for me personally, I just see it as love. And I know that there's probably some people out there where they're like, I don't want to think about it, so stop asking me. I've already said this a thousand times. Um, I didn't choose to see it that way. I saw it as they love me and they want to know how I am. And yeah. if I were in their position, I'd be doing the exact same thing because this is a big deal. And, um, but the, it, (laughs) I've still caught myself doing it, but people coming up and just saying, you know, what can we do for you? That is the worst. (laughs) Does it, does it bother you? It doesn't bother me, but it it is stressful. Exactly. I know it's from love. Something for them to do. Exactly. They want to serve. They want to be there for you. Work on your end. (laughs) It can seem that (laughs) way. Hold on. So, okay. So keep going with that. So what is the right way? What's a better way to approach that? Um, just 
Dan was great about this. He was actually the first one to kind of bring it to my mind. It was just like, I, you know, I didn't enjoy it when they would say, what can we do for you? And he said, no, I just loved them. They would just do something. Yeah, you just show up. They just show up and they're just there. And at the beginning, it was That's a little awesome. overwhelming because, oh my gosh, the visits, it was all the time. Sure, <laughs> Like sure. 10 o'clock at night, people knocking on our door. Yeah. Um, but again, I saw it as love, but that was what I learned to appreciate more. It was just someone stopping by just because they wanted to say hi and they wanted to they wanted to have a conversation or they I can't even tell you how many different things were just left on my doorstep and yeah. just touches my heart when I think about all no those kidding. different people because I'm like oh my heck have I ever done that for anyone else in my life and I don't know before this if I ever really had um but how just beautiful that was just to kind of have this little gift and it didn't have anything in, and it didn't have to be big and a lot of times it was food I gained a lot of weight at the beginning of this. <laughs> there was a lot of good food just hanging around my house all the time. So interesting. So sometimes it didn't even take the person showing up and being there physically face to face with you. No, just the thought that, you know, you're in our purse. Yeah. yeah. Just a note or just yeah. an item, like yeah. dropping something off. Yeah. I what about like a text? That. Yeah. A text. Love those. And, um, it's, I, 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 sometimes it's easy when you get those kind of texts, like, oh, we're thinking about you. You're in our prayers or hope you're doing well. You can kind of oversight that and be like, oh, they probably did it with everybody or they didn't really mean it. But this has taught me that no people mean it. Yeah. And that when that happens, that really happened. Yeah. Like you were in their mind and they thought about you and they're concerned about you enough to reach out to you and to use that as fuel, I guess, is this. Because when people would, when I would hear physically someone say my name in a prayer, it would bring me to tears. Yeah. Just because like, oh my gosh, how sweet, how yeah. amazing. And then, so whenever I had that text or that message or that note or that stop by, I had to remember that that was the same idea as if they had said my name, if I, as if I had heard them say my name in a prayer and just really try and bring that to myself of, wow, you know, what amazing people that we live in such a good world. I, I'm so excited about you and I, I want to be like you. And this is, let me tell you why this is, okay. so, this is, I love Specify, this. Mike, no, there's a lot real, of things. Like, <laughs> There, this this is very uplifting and enlightening to me, Bailey, because like everything that you look at right now, mm-hmm. everything that happens to you, everything that you're going through, all these experiences, what I hear from you is that you're taking, you you look at them in the best way you possibly can. I mean, it's like you're you're giving a lot of compassion to other people. Like maybe, you know, maybe it is really simple to send a text and be like, Hey, just how are you doing? But you look at it as like, Hey, this person's pausing their life. Yeah. They thought about me. Yeah. They're acting on that thought. Even if it's a simple text of saying, Hey, just thinking about you, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. That you're, you're, the way you're looking at that is beautiful because you're, you're looking at that as that is love being sent my way. And so you're just embracing it and you're bringing it in. And, and that to me, like gosh, I want to do that in my life. I want to think that every, everything that's happening in my life is there's benefit to it, that there's beauty to it. There's love, there's love coming my way. Mm -hmm. And And it's it's, harder to do that than just to read a text and be like, oh, okay. And then moving onward, like to actually stop and think about it. Or sometimes for me, sometimes for me, maybe it even bothers me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. we're as weird as it is right i think no, sometimes I that. right sometimes when when someone reaches out in a loving way you almost look at it and you're like well that's why would why would they do something you know what i mean but yep, like I, I think it's happened to most of us but yeah but to to stop it mm-hmm. and to be compassionate and to be loving and kind mm-hmm. and be delightful about it no and <laughs> amen and and that's <laughs> 
that's who you are and that's what you're doing. And that's why we wanted to talk to you you. is because the way that we feel when we're around you, Bailey, is we feel loved. And this is so interesting to me because somebody in your state who we should all just be loving the heck out of, (laughs) just filling with love. And And I I hope we're we're doing that. You really are. But what you don't get and what we get is we are, we feel so much love coming from you. And that is amazing to me because that's the choice that you've made. And, and this nightmare is blessing so many people's lives because of what you are doing. And when you walk in a room and, and this is the truth, when you walk in a room, people recognize that you're there. People, people feel differently when you're there. There's something about you, Bailey, that we, we feel energy from you. We feel something from you that is uplifting and that is good. And I feel better when you're around me. And that's true. And I, it inspires me to look at my own life and say, I need to cut it out sometimes. <laughs> I need to quit being so hard on myself. Mm-hmm. And I need to quit being so hard on other people. Yeah. And I need to embrace like love and, mm-hmm. and just joy and, and the energy that's being sent to me from others. I need to embrace it and I need to give it back. And I also need to give it on to the next person, right? Like pay it forward kind yeah. of an idea, right? Yeah, because I'm pretty sure almost everyone out there has somebody like that in their lives where they can look at them and be like, they're just such a joy to be around. I feel so good when I'm with them. And if you don't have that type of person, you're like, be that person, you yeah. know? Like exa- just give the light, give the love. And I love that we're like bringing up like empathy and really connecting with people because I know for a fact like that's why Christ did what he did. That's why he suffered everything he suffered was so he could be the true empathist or whatever that word is. So he could truly be everything that we needed in every moment that we had. He, he didn't just, when, when the sheep was lost, he didn't just wait and hope that it would come back home. He made the journey to go. He get went it. and found it. Mm-hmm. He went to it, right? Mm-hmm. He went and got it. And and Bailey, that's what you're doing for all of us, right? I mean, right now, as you're as you're going through such a dark time, you're being that person that's going out and you're you're lifting other people up. And you you probably don't even recognize it. That's that's what's so amazing about it. You probably you probably have no idea what you're doing for other people, but you are. And it's awesome. Thank you. Cancer wasn't your choice. Nope. Okay. Do you have choice even though cancer wasn't your choice? Yes. Okay. I feel like I almost have more choice now. Than Explain. I, did I love that. Explain. <laughs> Cuz this has given me more insight into what pain is, into what fear is, into what faith is, into what love is, into what all of the emotions. It's kind of gotten me deeper into everything, which has then allowed me to know more, to make more of my own decisions, to really have an educated decision made where I'm going to do this instead of this because I know what the consequences are. And I feel like most experiences in my life have, I've seen that, but now I can actually live it. I can actually be what Mm. I've been wanting to be for my whole life. I've been wanting this love for my body. I've been wanting this connection with people. I've been wanting this opportunity to actually look at someone who's in pain or is going through something hard and be like, you know, I've been there. 
and I've had my own hard times. This is definitely up there, but now it's even more so. It's like, because I know more and I have had more emotion, I can now connect with more people and I can be on their level more. And because of that, I feel like I'm more useful. I feel like I have more purpose in my life. The pain has brought purpose. Nah. Okay. So, so you say your, your first three things when you say, you know, the, the things that cancer taught you essentially mm-hmm. was pain, fear, and love. Why are pain and fear so important to be acquainted with? You can't know what, what joy until you know fear. You can't know happiness until you know dark. Just like you said at the very beginning, you can't have delight until you've seen the dark. Yeah. And, um, that's really the reason behind our pain. I think more than anything else, more than just what's happening to you internally, um, or what's happening physically, the reason why we have pain, if nothing else, if there's no other divine purposes so that you can connect with your brothers and sisters on this earth and that mm. you can do something for them. I love that. When you say connect with your brothers and sisters, what, like expound. Um, so we all go through hard times and all of our lives are very individual. And you, there's no way I will ever be able to know exactly what someone else has gone through. It's just impossible. I, I'm not them. I don't have their personality. I didn't have their upbringing. I have no clue how they're going to handle whatever they're going through. But I know how what I've gone through. And I know that the pain I've been in. And uh, when you have that as a companionship, if you use that as a companionship, you can connect with everyone on this planet because we all go through these horrible things, but just on different levels. But you all know that you all know pain and you all know fear, and you all know hurt, and because, and you know, the adversary loves to use that against us. He loves to say, you know, your pain is better or worse than theirs, or their circumstance, you can't understand them because of what they're going through isn't what you're going through, so therefore you're completely opposite from each other, and that's not what that should be. It should be a connection, not a source of enmity. It should be a source of love. So our pain can connect us because of it. Yes. If we make the right choice. If we're, if we're vulnerable to each other about the pain that we're going through and willing to be in each other's dark place or pain, like you have to be willing to be there, right? Yes. Yep. And if you don't choose that, what's the, what's the opposite effect? More, I think, fear. Breaks you. Yes. Right? Yeah, completely. Then the whys get even harder. You get more and more whys. You just get so lonely. And it it wrecks your... You isolate yourself from everybody else because you're the only one who knows, the only one who struggles, the only... And and that is lonely. And it's dark. Yeah, it is. It's dark. It is. Yeah. And then then we act out and we, we try and get attention and we do it. In unhealthy to, ways, yeah. right? That's we I think numb a lot ourselves of out. Come yeah, from. right. Mm-hmm. We numb ourselves we out do. in any way we can, and we act out. Yeah, and and it usually ends up taking us down a path that is not good. And and then unfortunately, the hard thing about that is, is when we keep that going, it becomes a habit, mm-hmm. and and we don't know how to get out. We don't know how to escape, and we're kind of trapped. Yeah. Right. Yes. So it's a choice, it and I love that. I love that this conversation has brought that out so much. And so what I've learned from you, Bailey, is that when I'm going through a hard time, I've got to find my bubble, right? <laughs> yes. I need to find my people. Find your army. Yes. Find, your yeah. find my army, and mm-hmm. they'll. It, correct me if I'm wrong here, but they'll kind of separate themselves. You'll start to see them stand out, they right? Do. Like your mom, your dad did, like Dan did, like yeah. other people did for you. Yes. 
So they'll start to stand out. They'll come towards you. They'll come to you in your level. Yeah. Get your faith bubble. Yeah. And and stay. And And accept their help. Accept their help. Mm -hmm. And when you're out and you and that bubble starts to pop a little bit, go back to it. Yes. And and regroup and get your army behind you Mm -hmm. and go forward. Yes. And 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 stay. And and then I mean the other thing that I'm hearing too is then you have a chance to to bless other people. You have a chance to go out and because of your pain, you have a chance to go out and really do something to lift somebody else. Yes. And there's a lot of healing in that. So much. Yeah. So much. Isolation is what grows pain. Really fear. It really does. Do you feel like, do you feel more connected? Yes. (laughs) With your, as your can like this cancer has, since this has been diagnosed and come into your life. Yeah. Do you feel more connected to people? Yes. Holy cow. Yes. I know. That's like a light bulb moment. It really is. And it's unfortunate it has to happen that way, but it does. And it's not just because of people stopping by your house, no. right? No. Yeah. It's it's your choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. P- putting yourself out there. Getting rid of some of that fear. Yeah. And just growing. Yeah. One of the things that we like to ask people at the end of this, because, again, as we've talked about several times, to really understand delight, Mm -hmm. to be delightful, to Mm -hmm. help other people, to bless other people's lives. You, you have to go through hard times and maybe not have to, but I I mean, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. So at least to appreciate it, you have to have, yeah, that's it. Right. To really understand it. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And so Bailey, just last question for you. What is the gift that your cancer has given to you? gift my cancer has given me is the power the recognition of my power just in every aspect of my life and I love that I know that I have that now and that I can build on it and I can use it for the betterment of myself and everyone that I can come in contact with I have power hold on yeah you do hold on a second (laughs) cancer cancer the, the, in this world we live in today, the, such an ugly thing. Mm-hmm. And it's given you a gift of power. Yeah. Man. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's eye-opening. That's amazing. Thank you. You're incredible. A big thank you uh, to Bailey Rockmore for being with us today. What a wonderful person she is. Her fight is incredible, and I'm so proud of her. Um, we will be posting pictures of Bailey on our social media with links to her own social media. Please feel free to give her a follow. She is delightful and I can't think of a better person to bring light into your own lives. Get out there, show some delight to people. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to our podcast, Come Towards Delight, where we try to connect with people who have delight and an uplifting story to share. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and share our podcast and help us spread delight. One last thing, we would love to hear from you. So please leave us your feedback. Or if you know someone who has brought delight to you, please email us at cometowardsdelight at gmail.com. See See you next time. time.